Hello, you're listening to the Hammersley Brothers e-commerce podcast. If some of our discussions and tips are working for you, why don't you grab a 15-minute call with us at ecommercecall.com. We'll see whether we can help scale your e-commerce business. We will quickly see if we're a fit or whether we can recommend someone else to get you where you need to go. The worst case is you'll have a fun 15-minute chat and regardless, you'll come away understanding a lot more about your business. Book a call at ecommercecall.com. Hello and welcome to the Hammersley Brothers e-commerce podcast. This week, Ian and I are talking about benchmarking in 2023, how it's changed since we did the benchmarking document in 2021, and also since we wrote the book in 2018. Obviously, we've updated the book in terms of the additions as we've gone along, but this is a case of looking at how things are changing, what we should be focusing on, and what we should be aiming for right now. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. Also, in the show notes, there is a downloadable video of what we're talking about in the podcast. I also go through a little bit about GA4 and where to find some of the new data that we're talking about in GA4. And I'll start doing a few more of those videos so we can get up to speed with GA4 before the deadline. So let's get started. Hello, Ian, how are you? Good afternoon, Mark. I'm good. Good. How are you doing? I'm I'm all right. Uh, we're actually finally getting a bit of sunshine in New Zealand. It's like we've had floods and rains, and obviously, and then the first day the kids go back, of course, beautiful sky. Everybody could be out on the beach. I'm happy with that. I know. Yeah. This. Um, always the way. I know. Yeah, but um, we thought we'd have a discussion today about benchmarks for 2023 because i'm going to be doing a training video for the facebook group and just wanted to talk through some of our because some of us our, our benchmarks that we talk about particularly where we break down the e-commerce funnel how they're changing what's changing in um, you know the overall stats and uh, what that might look look like for 2023 because i think a lot of the time it's important to kind of mention which ones are staying the same um and not changing so anything to add that before we kind of go through the first one or you're all good yeah no no i think we'll just dive in really um you know well yeah i mean well i know that you've asked me to add something i will add something but um you know i think the um the stats are really useful to to give you a quick glance at where you where you sit compared to everybody else um and it it tells you two things. It tells you, A, where you might want to improve, but also what kind of business, what kind of econ business you are. Mm. You know, are you a, are you a high out-to-basket type of business or are you a low out-to-basket type of business? And it might be, it, you know, it's never as clear-cut, probably, as it always sounds. But um, but it's interesting how it's changing. You know, it's basically what I think probably the most important thing of today is we'll run through the main stats, but also... You know, th- these are the ones that we that we talked about probably in the book actually, mm. which we wrote, you know, quite a few years ago now. And it's like, what what's the same? What's changed? What's what's moved? Yeah, you know, as over the last five years. Yeah. So let's dive in. Yeah, and, and I think the the ultimate reason we started to kind of break up the funnel, particularly into the bounce rate, which is now the engagement rate, and then the add to basket and basket to order, was that we always said that optimization should come from left to right. So we, the analogy of a river, 
flowing down and you know if you if you had a, a beaver damming up the river and you had three stages you wouldn't go and work on the low uh, the lowest dam first because that wouldn't make sense because obviously you're optimizing for a completely different flow of traffic if you um, if you do that in the wrong way so you know if you if you optimize if you made the dam lower down you go and just work on your checkout first of all then and then open up the floodgates further up you're going to have a completely different type of customer coming down you're going to have lots of different pressures and you're going to find people hitting that last dam at a much uh, different kind of momentum so the idea was always start highest in the funnel so yeah let's talk about the add to basket that's true right? yeah yeah did you want to add yeah something? well that's very true because i remember i remember the story that um you know if i'm ever making a a keynote speech at the famous e-com events around the world. I'll often start with that story about um, a quite successful fashion e-com business that came to us. I think they were doing about 12 million a year. And they came to us and said the checkout was a massive problem and they needed to go and really focus on improving the checkout. And I said, well, hang on, let's just look at the stats. Let's have a look. Um, to see well, where's the because con- they were worried about conversion rate and they were they were adamant it was in the checkout um, and in this particular case it wasn't but they didn't realise that because they hadn't broken down the conversion rate into those three steps the add to basket basket to checkout and checkout to order mm-hmm. and when we did that we realised that checkout to, to checkout to order stat for them I think it was about 92 percent something like that mm-hmm. i.e. was higher than average. The average checkout to order start was about 85. Yeah. So when people got into the checkout, 85% of them tend, tended to go through. And it's like, look, you know, you're on 92%. It was something around that, that level. We're at 92%. You're not really going to gain much here. But they're add-to-basket stats. I think it was about 4%. Mm. And there was a lot to gain there. And, you know, you just do a few little maths and you go, well, if we improve the add-to-basket from 4% to six percent you know the difference that made to conversion rate was massive mm. whereas if we converted the you know if we improved the checkout to order stat you know really we wouldn't we well a we wouldn't have got anything out of it and we were obviously going to get a much bigger bang for our buck so that yeah that was a, that was a story but just slightly relevant to commerce e-commerce market. yeah so let's start with the add to basket rate. What's changed? I mean, we first wrote the book in 2018 and, you know, it's now 2023. So that's a period of, of, of five years. And I, I'd say five that years. that add to basket rate has really stayed very stable throughout that period. We, yeah. we haven't seen um, masses of difference in, in that stat to, to kind of change it too much. Now, one thing I was going to say was that we have seen mobile traffic stabilized around 70% now and, and the tablet traffic is really not what it used to be as well certainly is not not on on, on uh, every um, every business you know it was kind of trending around that time and so now but the add to basket rate it will range in the similar range to what we saw so like an 11% add to basket rate for an average order value of around 150 dollars 100 pounds it's kind of like where you'd still want to be, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And I think I think the add to basket 
you know, we, we said that, you know, your ad to basket rate does depend on your average order value. And, you know, we said that if you if you have an average order value of over £300, which is about $400, $400 something like that, then you'd expect it to be, you know, a bit a bit lower. Um, you know, maybe maybe four percent, something like that. But if you have if it's under three hundred pounds, you know, you want it to be a bit higher. But I think the thing that I've seen is if people are adding multiple items to the basket, obviously there's a greater chance you're gonna get an add to basket percentage. Mm. So they use they tend to use the basket like a dumping ground. Um you know, but I but I definitely think I mean we 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 came out and we said eleven percent was the average add to basket stat for an e-commerce site, and quite a few people um, said no, that's that's not possible, mm. and and it is possible because we see it all the time, and we see e-commerce sites having a higher than eleven percent add to basket, um, and the demo store that we've run happens to have an exact. 11% I mean it, it goes from like nine and a half to 12 and a half depending on what's what's happening but the, I think quite often I mean I was with a client the other day and they were they had a very stubborn answer so we just get the ads basket up and they were selling um fashion related sportswear mm. and they cannot get the, their ads basket was sat, sat at about four and a half percent and there's probably a couple of reasons why their ads to basket was low. Number one, their mobile percentage was really high. So they had, I think it was about 85% mobile use. So that tends to mean um, that, that you know, the conversion rate tends to be a bit lower naturally on mobile. So they've got a lot of mobile traffic. The bounce rate on mobile tends to be much higher. So the average bounce rate for mobile is about 50% if you have a lot of mobile traffic average bounce rate for a desktop is about 40% so this business had a lot of mobile 85% mobile traffic the other thing they had was 70% of their traffic was coming from was landing on the product page mm. as well so you got a real you know whereas if they come up they land on the home page or the the category and they you know they tend to find the add to basket it's high, and it's because the bounce rate is really high. So, if you land on the product page from Google Shopping, the bounce rate tends to be quite high. So, it wasn't necessarily that they were doing anything wrong, but it was a symptom of the fact they had a lot of mobile traffic, a lot of product ads coming straight to the product page, but there were still things. And we said, well, what I look at then is you say, well, if the add to basket starts low, what's the overall bounce rate? Because if the add to basket's low and the bounce rate was high, then it, it to me, it points that there's a navigational flow, a positioning problem um, in the business, and you need to then go through the normal process that we do. But if the add to basket rate is low and the bounce rate's low, then they're not necessarily ready to buy, and you need to think about something else. Mm. Something else there. And often we talk about email. I've gone massively off yeah. piece there. I've well, gone really into the weeds. Just kind of, let's just kind of like so say, say, uh, staple it down in terms of the, uh, the, the benchmarking stats for it. So 11% on average. If you've got an average order value of over $1,000, you'll tend to find your add to basket rate is 
unoptimized 2%, optimized 3%, amazing 4%. That's kind of how it, how it, how it, how it goes. So it will affect, yeah. like if you're selling something really high end um, and expensive, there's obviously more reticence on the buyer's side because it's a huge amount of money they've got to spend. Whereas if you have got a lower average order value, if you're really, really low, you don't tend to see it as much. Like if you're selling something for like $100 compared to something like for $10, you don't see something $10 having like a 25% add to basket rate. It doesn't really kind of happen. No. You actually get this kind of like um, uh, kind of almost like this setup cost in e-commerce when you're selling these really low priced items that regardless, you have to pay the setup cost regardless of what you're selling, which makes it very difficult on e-commerce to make anything lower than, you know, $30, $40, $50 kind of work, um, you know, uh, because it's just of the, the the kind of margins of scale. In fact, like when I get, they see these kind of small orders coming through on the demo store, I kind of cringe. I'm like, bloody hell, who buys one hand towel? You know, it, it's because I know that I can't make that work. Mm. Sure, if it's an existing customer, that's fine. But if I'm recruiting on, on that, then that, that's, that becomes very difficult. Well, that, and does, and then, and that has another slight tangent that we have, and that that um, that comes, you know, the consideration then is what you do. Do you pull those low average order value products out of mm. your shopping feed? You know, do you even bid yeah. on them? Well, w- one way you know, you've got to do then, and you've got to be careful because sometimes they can be leaders to something else. Like we were talking to um, yeah. Andrew today, and he was talking about taking like a bung out of. Uh, like a, a laser, a laser dinghy, and it's it's a racing dinghy, and uh, selling the bungs. Now, obviously, if it's a generic bung, you don't want to sell that because you can get all sorts of people coming in. But if it if it leads to a bigger sale, like they go, it's a laser specific bung, and you come onto the site, and it's got like free delivery over thirty pounds or something like that. And then you go, well, I'll go and get these other things, and it leads to that. Then then it's worth selling because it can lead to other sales. But yeah. you have to look in your Google ads, in your report on the um, value value per conversion against each item, which will show you if you've got a low ROAS, conversion value over cost, and a consistently low uh, com- uh, conversion value over uh, number of conversions, which is the average order value, then you might not be able to make that work ever. And so it's just the mechanisms of, and we always say this, Make sure the game you are playing is a good game because you can be the most intelligent person um, playing a very, very difficult game and you can get a very average intelligent person playing a very easy game and they can do so much better than you and you sit there and you think, how the hell did that idiot get so rich? (laughs) 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 It's because they're playing a a game. The game they're playing is easy. Well, do you know what? And the... Yeah, and often the game is down yeah. to the maths, and which is why we came up with the original KPIs in the first place. It's like, well, what maths do you need to play in order to mm. make it easier? And it, you know, and and I think having a higher average order value makes it easier. Having a higher margin makes it easier, and having a, a high lifetime customer value naturally yeah. makes it easier. Because it kind of just works. So when I say high average order value, you know, anything really over a hundred dollars. You know, normally yeah. is about right. Um, you know, if you have a margin of over sixty-five percent, yeah, that's normally mm. pretty good. Um, and if you have a lifetime customer value of twice a year, mm. it's great. 
you know, and and if that was your own, you know, obviously, it's, I mean, that would be fantastic. But, you know, lots of people can't do that. And obviously the strategy, you know, it does depend on whether or not you're selling other people's products or it's your own unique brand. That, that's a big, mm. big different one. But should let's we get, get back, back into the stats? The stats? Yeah, we can, we're, we're we're drifting drifting off. And so yeah. let's go to the basket to order and let's talk about that. So I think the basket to order, I would revise that up slightly since 2018. So like the basket, mm. you always split it down into basket to check out and check it to order. But let's just, let's do this basket to order, yeah. which is, you know, typically when we first benchmarked it, it was like 30% was like the, the kind of on the low end, 55 was kind of high on, on the high end. So, out of the people that add something to the basket, 30% would go and actually purchase or 55%. Now, with the advent of the quick pay uh, icons, particularly on Shopify, like Shop App and PayPal, OnePlay and Amazon, like we've seen the basket to order come up more. And I think typically we'd want to see around 45% for that um, because of those. Yeah. It's pretty, you know, it's pretty yeah. similar. No, it's pretty similar to where it was. We were saying about mm. 40 was about right. But here, here's the thing. This, the basket to order rate depends on how strong the add-to-basket yeah. is. So that example that I said before, they had a really stubborn low add-to-basket of about 4%. Well, their basket to order rate was about 45%. Mm. So they're yeah. okay. You know, but it was like it was okay because it wasn't under any pressure. You know, the basket, you know, it didn't mm. have any people in it. So the ones that did add to basket were more committed to buying. So if you've got, um, you know, I mean, in that case, you know, we're saying, look, it's all about add to basket. But um, generally, if you've got a 10% add to basket and a 40% basket to order, you've got a pretty damn good conversion rate. That will put you on. About five percent. You have to look at the math exactly. Basically, it's about four and a half five percent. And what's interesting is, you know, if someone comes to me with a basket to order rate of twenty percent, so really low, the first thing I would look at is not the basket page or the checkout page, but actually whether or not people are getting there too soon. And what I mean by that is sometimes I've seen people with a very low basket to order rate because people are being forced to add something to the basket to see how much shipping is or to see how um, how long delivery is going to be or those kind of things. So you can kind of have like, and that can kind of misdirect you because you go, gosh, I've got a really high add to basket so, rate, that's fine, but my basket to checkout is really, really low. Yeah. I must have a broken basket page. Yeah? I think, I thought, I thought you were saying... Um, that you were taking people to the checkout. No, it's just like if you've got, let's say you've got a high add to basket rate, but a very low, like a 20% basket to order rate. The first place I would look is whether or not you're having that, and we've seen it quite often. The, you're saying, do, we, do well, people no, what take I mean them is to like, the basket automatically? Some say, sites like, take them to the basket Let's say on the, on the product page, you're not telling people how much shipping is or you're not telling them how the returns policy is mm. or you're not telling them all that information. Well, and so therefore, they're going to go, I wonder how much this gift would be to ship. They add it to the basket. They go on the basket page and they go, oh, now I can see shipping or, you know. Well, you know what? That's very, very, it's very rare that we see 
an e-com site, a Shopify, Magento, BigCommerce, WooCommerce, it doesn't matter. It's very rare that we see a basket page mm. that we actually like. Um, and Because what tends to happen is they leave it so vanilla, which basically means there's nothing on it. It's literally the bog standard Shopify, yeah. you know, basket page. And it's like, that's pathetic, okay? Think about what experience that would be like if you're in a physical mm. bricks and mortar shop. Right, so you site, you you know, you you nice nice discovery of new products. You're enjoying it, having a look. You pick the thing up, you know, you put it in your basket. You walk over to the till, and like, there's nobody there at the till. There's nobody to tell you what the returns policy is. There's no one going to tell you when it's going to arrive. There's no evidence of any customers that's ever ever bought before. You know, but. It's but, it's but think it's of this. Really think of this think about all the anxieties. Think of this you're in Marks and Spencers, and there's clothing on the on the on the shop floor, and they haven't put any pricing on it, and then everybody has to come to the till to get it scanned to see how much it costs. You would think I've got a very high add to basket rate, but a very low basket to order. But it's because they have to go to the till to find out how much things cost or how much delivery is. And so what I'm saying is sometimes the basket to order can be really low because you're not putting the right information on the product page. I know that's an extreme example, not putting the price on. but Yeah. Well, because I, I think you're right. I think you're right when you're saying you know, they can't mm. look at the delivery. Because sometimes people don't do that yeah. on the basket either. You know, they have to then wait until this. You know, lots of times people will say, oh, shipping will be yeah. calculated at checkout. And that's like, that's really lazy. That's saying we can't really be bothered. We don't know what it is. We're just going to do that. Loads of people listen to this well, and they'll go, oh, shit, a lot of the time, that's what i A lot of the time, there's two, yeah. there's two possible reasons for that. A, you might be like the company we're working in America that sells plants. You can't, you can't tell what that is until they, until, they, until they actually know what the address is and all that kind of stuff. The other side of it mm. is you could tell what it is, but you've got a very complicated shipping policy that suits you as a business and not the customer. And in that case, you want to think about your shipping policy, not as like this, you know, uh, thing that is difficult, it's annoying for you, but as, as a marketing policy for your business. Because the more you simplify your shipping policy, particularly around even when it's plants and, and all that kind of stuff, um, where it is it's very variable, is the more you simplify it down, the more orders you're going to get. And you're going to get, it's almost like having a better offer because people can see it and they go, oh, I'll, I'll get that done. Yeah. And that needs to be on the mm. product page next to the add to basket button, really clear, and on the basket page don't next let, to each item. Yeah, and it's don't the same let with the returns the policy. You're going to get burnt by one or two orders out of a hundred, maybe a thousand, who you'll end up losing money on to stop you having a great marketing uh, delivery policy um, because it's just not the right way to think about the numbers, is it? Mm. No, you have to you have to think about returns policy and delivery as a as a marketing method. Mm. It's a it's a marketing cost. I mean, it happened today. I was with a com- uh, chatting with a chap this morning, and he he's going into a new a new slightly new range of products. And I was like, "What what, what are you going to charge to delivery?" And he said, "Oh, I'm going to do six ninety five or nine ninety five, mm. and that's pounds. So that's like I don't know eight dollars and fifteen dollars." And I was like, what's the average order value? Oh, it's probably going to be about £50. And I said, mm. right, I think that's too high. 
He said, but that's what it costs me. I said, yes, I understand that. But the customers will, will, will that will be a friction. So add two pounds onto the product and reduce the mm. delivery by two pounds. And then, then all of a yeah. sudden the problem perception. goes away. Um, and in this is you can do that. Yeah. yeah. It's all about perception. So in that, in the, and in that scenario with that, um, that plant company, you know, if, if the delivery is complicated, even by saying, you know, fast, secure shipping, um, you know, it's slightly better than mm. not acknowledging it at all um, and waiting for them to go. But basically, coming back to the stats, you know, add to basket, I think is still, you know, we said we said 11%. I think I think that's fine. People will challenge us on that because we see it it's higher. But more important, you know, basket to check it's out. It's more important 55. to put a line in the sand to work out what yours is now Use our other tools, such as the yeah. margin calculator sheet, to work out what your ROAS needs to be. And then to say, right, if we wanted to scale this, where would the add-to-basket be? You know, could we get the add-to-basket up from maybe we've got a 6%? Could we get it to 7 I mean, that's all we need. We just get it to 7 This whole mm. business works. And therefore, you go, right, okay, that makes sense. Right, okay, which are the 20 products that drive 80% of the add-to-baskets? Which ones of those do we need to? And we did this last week. We talked about the preto analysis. And you kind of go into that. And it's not necessarily because it, it's quite stubborn sometimes, particularly the basket to order. Like if you have a, a, a business with a very low basket to order, let's say you are 25%, it's probably unlikely you're ever going to get to 55% just because of the nature of your shopper. Like, sure, you can improve it, but you're never going to get to like, like like a gift business, for example, when someone's put a lot of um, effort into customizing that gift, maybe uploaded a photo, and written a message on it and all that kind of stuff. Like they're invested in their product. You're probably going to get a basket to order rate of about 60%. You're not going to get that on fast fashion website where people are putting loads of stuff into the basket and just choosing it and maybe holding it there. And it's just mm. not. So you, you, I always say you go, you know, you go with the flow of the river, and when you look at your stats, you can you want to look at stuff that's really good mm. and stuff that's really bad, and you focus mm. on those two areas because you can normally put if you find your to basket is sixteen percent, yeah, go, whoa, you know, I yeah. bet you can get that higher, you know, even if it's high, and if you find your basket to order rate is eighteen percent, I bet you can increase that Here's an that interesting too. one. Here's an interesting one because really mm -hmm. the elephant in the room is, you know, we can always talk about add to basket, basket to order or basket to check out and check out to order. They're very easy to benchmark across everything else. But the average order value, how would you benchmark the average order value? And I know we're not by answer because obviously it can be different for everybody else. But of course, if I'm selling homeware, I'd like to know what a good average order value is and, and, and whether or not it's, it's movable or not. And I feel like I've got a feel for that of like when it's yeah. movable and when it's not. But I'm just trying to like articulate what what is it that I know. I mean, do you want to talk about that? Yeah. Well, I, well, I would I would generally. I mean, somebody asked me the question the other day in a in a workshop, and it's like, what's mm. a good ROAS? And I was like, well, it depends on what what your competitors and what the market is operating at, and what everyone's margins really. And it's the same with an average order value, really. You know, if you, if you go in and you want to play in um okay i'm going to give an example because it's, it's a conversation that came up and it was mm. it was with stools you know kitchen stools and well you know 
we know who is selling loads of kitchen stools and we know what price point they're going in at. And, you know, we're looking at the market and we say, well, we want it. We want to have an average order value of slightly on in this particular case, people were selling them for 200. We want to come in at 180. So you have, you've obviously got to look at the market. You've obviously got to look at the market and what they're operating in. But I do know that if you have an average order value, which is why we find gifting sometimes a little bit more stubborn than other econ businesses to get moving. And it's not to say that we can't, but we find it can be more stubborn because the average order value tends to be about $40. Um, the margins tend to be okay, but like, you know, not incredible, like 60%. Um, and the lifetime customer value tends to be a one, which is why we find it difficult because the average order value is so low because you always yeah. seem to be about $40. Yeah. So, but average order value really yeah. is probably one of the most important things to kind of think about because that, it, it always, like, as a media buyer, like, I've spent a lot, you know, I'm probably have spent about a million dollars on Google a month. And one of the big things for me is the cost per sale. So if I split it out by product type, you can see what the cost per sale, not the cost per sale, sorry, the, the average order value per sale. The average order value will make a massive difference to my ability to scale that account. And if I'm in a race, because I'm in a, well, I am in a race, for each, for each client, if I go to the auction insights, I can see that I'm usually in a race with about 10 people, right? Those 10 people are going to be the ones that are coming up the most. And usually there's about three of those people who are dominant and I'm coming up against the most. So let's take away those seven and let's talk about those three people. Those three people, each of those websites is going to have its own average order value. It's going to have their own margins and it's going to have their own conversion rate. Now, typically, they're probably going to have very similar margins to me because they're selling a very similar product. So that, that's kind of a given. Their conversion rate probably going to be i mean if we've all got to that stage of eliteness and we're at the top four we're kind of competing against probably going to have a very similar conversion rate because we're all talking about the right message we're talking about the right things we've optimized our stores we're in the right place so the average order value is really the last thing that we've got to differentiate ourselves and if i can get my average order value to be 10 20 percent higher than the other website that is my thin edge in the race. That means I just win the race and I, I win it takes all. So what I'm looking for is those three main competitors that I'm looking at. I'm going onto their websites. I'm looking at how good their upsell strategy is. I'm looking at what they're suggesting with other things. And I'm making sure that I've at least got the same ability to, to sell something to the same average order value or, or and then go further mm. and have something else that pushes me I over them. Yeah, and the, and the reason why that you want to do that is so that you can you can get better ROAS yeah. for the same spend, because obviously you're playing you're playing with a bigger share of wallet. You know they might be having a product that's you know two hundred two hundred dollars. Everyone's selling it for two hundred dollars. You've got a kick-ass upsell, which means you're competing mm. for two hundred and fifty dollars. We might be both going into the auction with a, a ROAS target of five, 500% or something like that. And if we're going to the ROAS target with 500%, but on my site, Google can, Google can achieve that by paying a dollar a click, whereas on the other site, they can only achieve that by paying 80 cents a click, then I'm going to win, aren't I? So effectively, 
Google's going to give me the business because mm. it's going to go, well, I can charge these guys an extra high level. They're, they've got similar levels of click-through rates on their ads, but these guys have got that, that, that thin edge that, that works for them. So it comes down to that, yeah, that thin edge of, of advantage, and the winner takes all. Winner takes all, doesn't it? Well, it does. It does. It does, especially if you are selling other people's products. Yeah. You know that is very, very relevant. If you are selling other people's brands. Yeah. And yeah. Is there any is other uh, any other benchmarks you want to talk about here? I mean, obviously, we talked a little bit about mobile and tablet. Well. Yeah, well, we've, well, we've, we've just well, we haven't really talked about I think we've talked about the main... <laughs> so let's run yeah. through them. On-site search, B2C, business-to-consumer on-site search, tends to be mm. about 5%. That's still the same. That's what we said before. Email is something that's interesting. And the one thing that we've added since we wrote the book around email was the, was the email data capture. So the amount of percentage of new users that visit your site, how many of those should be, you should be capturing your email. And as a punchy yeah. figure, we like to go for 10%. It's your top end, but I bet you're nowhere near that. Yeah. But lots of people won't be anywhere near that. You know, most people I, are averaging about I think also three, that when we first wrote the book, we saw email as a customer uh, retention strategy you're selling to existing customers whereas now we're much seeing yeah. email as a tool for selling to existing sorry, <laughs> new customers yeah new <laughs> we're seeing it as yeah. a, as a so big we're seeing recruitment, it as a device. recruitment mm. device and do you know why do you know why that's because there's been an explosion yeah. of tech in email and when I say an explosion yeah. I basically mean Clavio and what Clavio does is it knows who is on the site and what they're looking at. Yeah. It's got all the behavioral-based triggers built in. And so that's been brilliant. So obviously then we've put massive effort yeah. on getting the email address much more significant, a pre-sale, yeah. like before the sales be made, so that we can turbocharge the paid activity and send a lot more emails. And that, that we've talked about this on the podcast before, but I think of all the strategies that we've been really using in the last probably 12 months, it's that's probably... Well, it's learning. It's those two learnings things that any e-commerce has really got to hit to so kind of do well. First of all, it's how to get the email. Like, that's one skill. That's got you on the site. You've got to work that out. The second skill is how mm. then to convert those emails within the first two weeks. And it's those. it's that one-two punch that you can't do one without the other. You know, you might get your... You might get your, you know, your data capture rate up to ten percent, but unless you kind of like um, actually convert those, it doesn't matter, does it? Like, you know, you could, you could, you could yeah. go and get like loads of competition yeah. entrants on your website, and you go, yeah, well, we've got ten percent data capture, but if they're just completely useless, it doesn't. Yeah. Well, that's right. It came up in the same thing. Like, you might have a blog. You might have a blog traffic, and that yeah, those people we, coming to we the blog want... might be completely useless. And then you start thinking, oh, I've got to go and get these to convert, uh, get convert yeah. emails. I'm going to do a competition on those. You know, so the best place, the best place to get email mm. is on the website itself. You know, massively, yeah. massively the best. You know, and if you're not, if you haven't focused on data capture on your own website, when it's an email capture on your own website, 
don't go and look at competition sites on Facebook or lead gen ads on Facebook because you're never going to convert as well as capturing people who are on your website because it's basically they're in mm. your shop. They're in, you're in your store browsing. Like, why would you want to go outside, wait on the street and ask people for their email addresses if they walk past? Like, they're in, you've got people in your shop yeah. right now. Yeah. Go and get so interestingly, I'm just looking at the demo store and you, no. on, on, the, on the report so we say one, that email yeah. this is the old one from 2022 and 20 actually this one's 2021 we said that average email percentage revenue was 15 percent but on the demo store which is a new store we're already doing 23 percent of revenue from email and so that is probably quite low so i would say now with modern email you probably want to be looking minimum 25 percent 20 percent you know 20 to 30 percent on email yeah yeah and that's growing, hasn't it? And that's interesting. There were, there were conversations, you know, I don't know, six, seven years ago. Yeah. That we were, yeah. is email dead? You know, people were worried that it was going to go and like people were not going to I was like, yeah. well, that's not what we're seeing at all. I think possibly because of the, mm. the, the behavioral based yeah. automation that's come in. That's been, and that's been quite good. But, but generally, I mean, there are certain businesses that will be listening to this that, that you know, selling to, let's say, young teenagers, mm. you know, fast fashion that don't have emails. Um, and so they can't use email because they don't have an email. So they'll, you know, but then they still have to have some kind of email because I know from my 15 year old son that he has to sign up to stuff and he has to have an email. So he starts having an email address, but obviously he doesn't really convert like that. He's not really someone that reads his emails. He's not working. He's not seeing them. Mm. No. Well, it's notifications. I think, I think it's notifications that, you know, it's those things that do drive Mm. for for that. And it's the same rules. It's exactly the same. You know, you've obviously got to be able to get them to download yeah. the app in the first place. Exactly. Accept the notification. Yeah. You know, but it's a similar type of thing. But, um, yeah, okay. Well, there's, you know what, there's a half a dozen others, but I think I think they're the, the main ones. Yeah, and probably I think, is the, I think the as we discuss basket, things, people, um, people can get overwhelmed and, and with things too much. I mean, there's, you know, like when people listen to the podcast, there's a lot of stuff we're putting in there. And I'd rather us focus on the most important ones so that we, people dial into mm. the things that are going to make the most impact to their business because otherwise you get lost in a sea of stuff. And that, with these podcasts, the idea is that we are, I mean, hopefully people listening to it are, are you know, once you're around people who've been in an industry for such a long time, you start picking up the way they think about things. And that's the first thing. But the second thing is then having actionable things to do. So I'd rather focus on those KPIs that we talked about and the benchmarks we talked about today so that that message gets across then kind of adding to the podcast where we talk a lot all about lots of other stuff. So I think we'll leave it there if that's okay. Mm. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. I'll speak to you soon. Thank you, Mark. Thank you very much.